You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. This is the Hunting Gear Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Johnson. And today, we're going to be talking about Made in America and what that means and how, I mean... Today's guest, Jacob Coons, he is a returning guest. Myself, uh, we're going to talk about what that means to us. Uh, we're going to talk about if Made in America actually means that a product is better. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, maybe some stereotypes from the Made in America stigma that, you know, back in the day, and I'll just kind of say this, back in the day, if it was made in China, it was junk. But now I feel like technology is starting to catch up with the manufacturing processes and uh, the, the technology is making it, uh, is, is closing the quality gap. Uh, and so um, hunting products and, and the hunting culture, for a lot of people, being made in America is a, is a huge influence on how they choose their hunting gear and equipment and on others it's more price driven and so that's what today's conversation is about it's about um you know uh, a lot of category we talk about different categories we talk about um uh, you know made over like maybe being made overseas doesn't necessarily mean it's the worst thing possible um but it's it's just an open conversation about two guys uh, i personally love when a, a product is made in america but there are times when I'm not going to buy uh, an American-made product if it's on the market, uh, just because it, you know, could potentially be out of my, outside of my budget. And so there's a lot that goes into it, and, and that's what we talk about today. Uh, I know you guys are going to enjoy it. Before we get into uh, the conversation, though, I, I got to talk about Code Blue Sense real quick. Now. Uh, the hunting season's almost here, and actually on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, uh, within the next, I'm going to say three weeks, I'm going to try to get Troy Pottinger on, and he's going to talk about mock scrape setups. And ultimately, that's what I'm going to be using from Code Blue. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be using some of their other stuff, uh, their other scents, but uh, I'm really looking forward to using their uh, Rope-A-Dope little, I guess it's uh, the Rope-A-Dope mock scrape kit, and... Man, I, I feel like if I do it right, I can get deer in front of trail cameras and within shooting range. Um, and it's just something I'm, that I'm very interested in. So here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say go to CodeBlueSense.com, read up on all the different scent elimination sprays they have, the uh, both um, uh, real deer, tarsal, like real deer tarsal glands, real deer urine, um, and uh, they also have synthetics, they have laundry detergent, deodorant. So when it comes to scent and whether you're trying to block yours or use theirs to get deer closer, they have it. And I do have a discount code and it is NFC20 for 20% off. So if you have any questions about code blue or the discount code, hit me up on Instagram. And uh, I say we cut it short and let's get right into today's hunting gear podcast with Jacob Coons. Three, two, one. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast, and I am joined today by returning guest, Mr. Jacob Coons. Jacob, man, how are we doing? Dan, I'm doing great. It's August. The countdown is on, and uh, it, it's exciting. Here in Kentucky, we start deer season in about 30 days. Um, you know, I, I got a tip of the hat. I got to tip the hat to the guys that come to Kentucky for the September deer because it's like the Amazon out there. There's and <laughs> And I'll, I mean, I do it a little bit, but it's not a lot of fun because it's just, uh, it's not that October or, or late, you know, that November rut stuff, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, it's exciting. I'm excited and I'm excited about, uh, you know, uh, some out of state stuff and, um, it's going to be a good, it's going to be a good season regardless of what happens. Yeah. What do you got uh, going on this fall? I mean, any, what out of state hunts are you going on? So, um, I, I drew a, a general elk tag for Wyoming. Uh, I'm going to go out there for about two weeks in September. Uh, I'm going to go solo. I've gone out west before, and, and I hunt solo here for deer, but it's a different animal when you're you're bivy hunting out of your backpack and you're you know you're 1,500 miles from home, and and if something goes bad, it it's really can go bad. So yeah. I'm a little excited and nervous at the same time, but I think. You know, sometimes, you know, we just try to do things that are difficult to just test ourselves. And I think this will be a fun test. So yeah, I'll tell you what, man, um, you mentioned you're going to Wyoming for an elk hunt, right? Um, yeah. And how long are you going to be uh, going for that one? How many weeks? You know, it's it's, it's always <laughs> that's funny uh, because um, I may uh, just go for 30 days and and get fired and divorced and not have a home when I get back because. Mm-hmm. I think that that's how a lot of us think, but technically it's supposed to be like 10 days. I may stretch that into two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be completely honest with you. There are days where I, I wouldn't give a shit if I come back home and the doors are locked and the keys are changed. I'd be like, at least I went on a, at least I went on an elk hunt. Like, I don't get, like, I don't care if you're going to leave me because I hunt, I went on a hunt, uh, and not because I'm an alcoholic or I'm a drug addict or I'm abusive or you fill in the blanks there. That's, yeah. I feel like there's other, there's gotta, there's always some other problems attached. Like your wife left you because you were hunting too much, right? Did, did he pay the bills? Yeah. Did he, uh, did, did he have a good job? Yeah. Was he nice? Yeah. Was he a good dad? Yeah. Oh, so you left him why again like like that just doesn't make sense they'll just bitch for a while and then you just let them, you just let them bitch but um you know dan i tell you what if that happens to one of us let's commit to doing drugs together <laughs> something really um really you know wild and crazy we'll go exactly we'll, go, we'll just go on some benders and just yep. really make people question you know, us yep question our yeah. sanity uh, I know a couple guys who would probably come with us, so it's all good, man. Um, but that's the thing. Like, I've I've been collecting preference points in Wyoming now f- for I want to say like eight years, okay. And so when I eventually go to do that hunt, I'm gonna do it big, and yeah. there's not like like I'm gonna communicate with my wife. I'm gonna set expectations. But the expectation is that I want to do it by myself, but I'm going to go for longer than eight days. Like I do, yeah. like, cause usually I leave on a Saturday morning on my South Dakota hunts and I'm back the following Sunday. All right. So, you know, two days of travel and, and, uh, six, six to eight days to hunt. All right. This is going to be a different story because I've collected this many points all, you know, the whole way through. And so uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do it big. And it's like a once in a lifetime deal, especially when you have, you, you've dedicated that much time to collecting preference points. Well, I mean, one of the things that doesn't get talked about enough, Dan, is uh, when we go on these out of state trips is like, you have to get every duck in a row at yep. the house. Yep. And a few years ago I went to Montana and our refrigerator was acting up and I just said, screw it. We're buying a new refrigerator. And it was, it was a really high end, nice refrigerator. But I was like, I don't need this nonsense. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, I don't need my wife buying a fridge while I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Cause who knows what that would look like. 
but two, I don't. It would look I like a new husband to... is what it would look like. <laughs> <laughs> don't, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to get some exactly saying, oh, the fridge is dead. You know, we don't have any room for our food, blah, 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 blah. So there's so much. I mean, we talk about gear and all that other stuff. I mean, you got to get your house prepped. I mean, you got to get every freaking thing lined up so that it works like clockwork, just like when you're there. So, yeah, it's uh, and yet I still get calls and I still get text messages. <laughs> like I can remember one year I went on an out of state hunt and I was like, I, I'm like, I will be back at this date. All right. And so I scheduled in eight days and there are basically two days of driving on the one on the front, one on the back. And it was like two, maybe three days in. It's like, when are you coming back? The kids are going crazy. I'm like, hey, listen, <laughs> you just got to deal with it. You just got to yeah. deal with it because, yeah. uh, you know, you're an adult and I've, this is what I, this is what I do. Right? I, I don't do anything else. This is what I do. So deal with it. Yeah. So sometimes they don't like to hear that. <laughs> it's, I'm not going to say anymore because yeah, she's, be she's right behind you. Hey, dude, blink if you need help. Blink if you need hey, help. Hey, dad was on the podcast. Let's listen to this. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this coming season. I know I know you are. Uh, I don't have I don't have a single trail camera out. And I, I bet you I've been saying that for about six weeks now. I need to get trail cameras out. I need to get trail cameras out. And I don't have one trail camera out right now. Um, I, I put mine out in like... February and March when I'm freaking uh, going nuts. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's, you know, I don't, first of all, you better have lithium ion batteries and you better hope that you lock it because of turkey hunters and you better hope that you don't get brush that grows over it. And like I, you know, here in Kentucky, like I said, it's like the freaking Amazon. So mm -hmm. I'm guessing the cameras I have out probably are just getting pictures of weeds, but um, but I, I just don't like getting out in some of this stuff. I mean, I will probably go out in the next two or three weeks and pull some of that just to look at that data. Mm -hmm. But I tend to cover ground in January, February, March. So I can see, you know, the rub sign, the trails, everything's dead, of course. And, and to me, that helps me set up for this coming season. Plus it gets me, it sort of scratches that itch, but you know, I don't know. I mean, I know there's something to be said about shifting shifting food and, and and shifting patterns and um you know the data that i get i mean who knows if those cameras are still live uh, yeah. i might be missing out on a bunch of data but that's that's generally how i i do it yeah all right hunting gear podcast talk <clears throat> and this is something that i don't talk about uh, like in detail i've mentioned it before but we're going to get into detail to a uh, big detail today, hopefully about it. And that is made in America products versus not made in America products. And I, th I think, I honestly think there's a lot to talk to talk about. And you, uh, you kind of brought it up in a message to me or when we were talking in the last hunting gear podcast uh, that you were on. And so I think what I'd like to do is I just want to start vague and get real detailed. Um, how important is made in America, that little tag on any product you buy that says made in America, how important is that to you? So I want to back up here because yep. I, I just, I want to put some context around it. I mean, let's, first of all, Dan, let's admit that we all own a billion products that are not made in America. Exactly. I mean, our, you know, the, our appliances, like I was just referring to, you know, our TVs, the computers that we're on right now, the, I know you don't have an iPhone. We talked about that last time, but probably your Android mm -hmm. was, was, and, and my iPhone, my car, my clothing, a lot of our hunting equipment. And so, you know, a lot of stuff that we're buying and, and, and Dan, you're the CEO of your household, mm -hmm. right? And you've got to, you've got to make decisions. You have revenue and you have an expenses and you have to make decisions based on, you know, you need to have a profit at the end of the year, right? <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, it, I guess it depends on uh, who you're talking to. But uh, yes, that's the ultimate goal is is to put some money in savings. Okay, so there you go. I mean, 
And, and so I think anytime we buy USA goods, it's a good thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's employing our neighbors, it's raising our tax base, it's helping our school systems, there's a trickle down effect. And honestly, it's better that I, I like the idea of us being independent uh, from a country, you know, as a country, mm-hmm. not dependent on China and Southeast Asia for, you know, our goods and services. So, um, but I, I recently had an interaction with a CEO of a, of a hunting, hunting company um, uh, regarding one of their products. And um, they, you know, there's a lot of these platforms out there that are creating uh, a store for their, for their uh, audience or their tribe or whatever. And so like Go Hunt uh, used to just do tag stats, you know, mm-hmm. um, or draw stats. But now they have an online store, and Black Ovis is an online store. And, meat eater, um, meat eater, right? That, yeah, meat eaters. That's a that's a perfect one. Meat eater. Um, I think Hunt and Fool, which also is another like sort of tag company. Um, yep. but they have Gearful now. Yep, um, a lot of a lot Go, of places. Go Wild is you know that that online app. They have a gear store, and so a lot of these companies are selling products, and one of them which will remain nameless was co-promoting a, uh, a product that they sort of partnered with on a diff- with a different company. And it was, it was a backpack. Um, it was, you know, I, I took a good hard look at it. I really wanted, I was like, Oh, this looks interesting. So it was a backpack and it was about 26 liters. So this is a little bit bigger than your kid's ba- school backpack. Mm-hmm. Um, it was camo. It has some Molly looping on it, and um, and then it opens up, and then it has a sleeve for your laptop. So this, this there was no, you know, there's no frame, expandable frame. It wasn't designed for saddle hunting or anything specific. It was just a basic backpack. And so, you know, I I was really surprised by the the sticker price on it, and. And so, you know, I was, I mean, if you, you know, think about conceptually what I just described, Dan, like it was a basic backpack, but it was camo, molly paneling. And let's just assume that it's made better than, well, well it was made in the USA and, and, and it's better known. So I'm just going to put that on there. It, it, it but, was made in the USA and it it is veteran owned. Made in the USA, veteran owned. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, and so, you know, those are good things, good things, but. Um, I'm going to share with you some pricing on a comparable backpack that's not made in the USA, mm-hmm. but, but I, I happen to use, uh, I've used it for three or four years now and just beat the, the hell out of it. But what do you think would be this? The, I mean, this is just an average backpack. What mm-hmm. do you think would be the sticker price on something like that? But made in the USA and better known. Well, it's hard for me to not like it to make a guess without not knowing what I know. So I'm going to say that that backpack uh, was between 250 and $300. Okay. Okay. What do you think it would retail if it was made in China? I'm going to go with $200. Okay. Okay. So, um, well, the backpack that I have, and there's several that are out there that um, are really well built, mm-hmm. and they happen to be made in China. They're somewhere between forty, fifty dollars. Okay. Um, maybe you know if you looked a little bit harder, like like at Columbia backpack uh, of similar design is seventy dollars. Mm-hmm. And again, these are all XUS products. Um, this particular backpack was three hundred and fifty-five dollars. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I'm not afraid to voice my opinion. And, and so I, 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 the CEO and the founder had left five-star reviews on this product mm-hmm. and, you know, and I'll be honest with you, meat eater does this a lot. Meat eater will have products of their own and then have their guys, they'll do videos of reviewing those products. And I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I think my problem is that when you start leaving like star reviews, it's like, wait, you're selling something and you're putting your five stars against it. And it just seems to me a little disingenuous. It's like, wait a minute, 
you know, I just bought a, I just bought a, a, a new Toyota vehicle and I'm like, well, what does the CEO think of this, this RAV4? Well, I'm, I don't know. Maybe he'll give it three stars. I don't know. You know, no, he gives it five stars. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Do, do you understand? Do you see I, I know, saying? I know exactly what you're saying. The, 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 the first glance review will be skewed because of individuals that may work for that company are heavily weighting it uh, as a very quality product. And maybe the other people, like, obviously, I, I, I don't know exactly what percent of people review products. But yeah. if you're going on and you're the owner of the company and you're leaving a review, um, a five-star review saying it's great, well, that's it becomes less of a review and more of a marketing tactic. That's that. I mean, that's how I feel now. I guess for some reason I don't have a problem if if somebody from Meat Eater takes a backpack and then sort of breaks it down, like why it's a value, mm -hmm. you know, like. But they, but I, I guess when they technically start putting like like Amazon five star reviews on something that's really part of their product or part of their co promote, I feel like it's a little little sleight of hand, but. But that was one of my issues. But my other issue was the price. I was really surprised about the sticker price of three hundred fifty-five dollars, and I pointed that out in, in a in in sort of a post or reply regarding this product. And so I got called out a little bit as part of the cancel culture. Um, you know, I was sort of not a capitalist, and and um, and by the way, this was made in the USA and veteran-owned. And so it really. Dan, I'll be honest with you, it threw me back on my heels a little bit because that made me really think about, am I, you know, am, am I, am I, is it wrong for me to see a made in the USA product to sort of get back to your original question, mm -hmm. to, to see something that's made in the USA, like wasp broadheads or marsupial gear, bino harness, or, and be like, well, I should buy this because it's made in the USA, even though you know, like this particular product, and I'm not talking about wasp or, or marsupial, but this particular product was priced way outside of the marketplace. Yeah, it was, in my opinion, way outside the marketplace. And it wasn't presenting anything innovative. Mm -hmm. Like it, it really, like when I look at like wasp, marsupial, uh, stone glacier, uh, kafaru, vortex, I think is a great example. Like when I see those companies and those products, I see Companies that are within the, con the, the 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 price range of that particular category, and I see them bringing some value or some innovation to the marketplace. And so I really had to stop and sort of think about, like, what is the value of made in the USA, veteran known versus, you know, buying something from, from China? But I don't know, Dan, what are your thoughts? I mean, do you feel like... So here's here's where, where I, I get off, or this is where I have my stance. You take that tag off. Of, there, there are some products. Let me back up even further. I think a while ago, and I don't want to put a time on it, but a while ago, the, the whole made in China or made in uh, some Asian country, had there was a negative connotation because the quality used to be uh, poor. I'll, I'll just say it used to be poor. But yeah. as time goes on and technology advances, right? Moore's Law, uh, for every technology, uh, every 18 months, I believe uh, Moore's Law is, every 18 months, technology doubles in um, whatever the metric there is for the, the application, and then the price is reduced. Right. So what you're seeing is uh, a lot of people are going to China because because it, it you can still get or overseas manufacturing yeah. in general. You can you can get a quality product now there. Yeah. And, and so I, I am a firm believer that price does reflect quality uh, these days um, because I feel like the the the. the the stereotype of something being crap if it's made in America, it's kind of fade, or if it's uh, if it's made in in China or overseas, it's kind of fading away because people understand that if you make a shit product, you will not be in business anymore. If it's junk, especially in the hunting industry, if you make 
products that are junk and they last four sits or one season. Man, me personally, I'm not touching them. But like, I don't feel so, so, but there's a price point for everybody, right? Our yeah. price point is going to be different than someone who makes double our money uh, in a year or, you know, 50% less of what we make in a year or something like that. And so it, it really comes down to budget at that point. Um, I like the fact that certain things are made in America. Um, I do take it into consideration if, if there is, if there is, let's just say, I don't know. The first thing that came to mind was broadheads. If there's a broadhead that's made in America and there is a broadhead that's made overseas and they are, they're similar price point, same, same type of, uh, technology and, uh, and I don't know, I guess it would just be price point material, uh, uh, dur durability, things like that. <clears throat> I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick the United States product because it's a no brainer to me. It's like a, a duh. Why not pick an American made product? If, if all things are, all other things are equal. Okay. And I would be willing to pay a little bit more if all things are equal. And the only difference is, I don't know, enter, enter your comfortable percentage here. You know what I mean? Like, just yeah. whatever, whatever more you're just for peace of mind saying that, you know what? I really think that, uh, I, I like the fact that it's made in America. It supports American jobs and, and, uh, you know, that, that stuff, I guess where I have the issue is, I don't know. I like, I used to have an issue, but I don't think there's, there's that big of an issue anymore as long as, as long as the product holds up to what they're saying. Now, like what you were getting at, leaving reviews, like skewing the skewing the reviews. Yeah, I have a problem with that. I don't care where it's made, whether it's made in America or it's made in China. If you're skewing the reviews, that's a, that's an issue. But if, but also if it is just a brand that. You know, a lot of these brands, they go for the cool guy factor. Like, hey, if you want to be cool, you have to buy this product. If you want to be in our club, you have to buy this product. Almost some like elitism type marketing strategy. I'm not, I'm not cool with that. And I'm not, I sure as shit, I'm not, I don't care who makes it. If you're outpriced of your category, if you're way overpriced um, in your category, uh, I am I'm not going to buy your product. I don't care where it's made. I don't care who owns it. Um, cause I, everybody has a budget, man. And so, yeah, yeah, no, I, I think I'm going to, um, I think you brought up two things there. So I think that were interesting. One is the, the cool guy phenomenon, mm -hmm. which I see, and I'm sure other people see where it's like, Hey, we've got this product here. It's made in China, but we're going to slap on the logo and we're going to sell it to you at a markup, mm -hmm. which I can't stand. And that's one of the reasons why I do what I do in terms of, you know, my channel in terms of product reviews and examinations, because I'm like, let's take a look at this product from the influencer and this product from China and see or this no name product and see how different they really are. And is there value there? But you know, another company that comes to a company that comes to mind that I'm going to mention, uh, Origin. Have you have you followed any of that stuff from that company? Yes. So I've seen. I, I might even follow them on on Instagram. I'm not 100 percent sure, but their their big push is um, clothing that is made yep. in America. Correct. Correct. And they have a they have a camo pattern too. They do. Yes. Yep. And okay. Cam Haynes is is on board there. Yep. And, and so for me, I look at that company as an outsider and I think, oh, that's interesting. They're making, they're, and they talk about bringing manufacturing back to the U.S. and, you know, apparel, uh, textile manufacturing. And, and I, I think, again, that's important and I, I love that stuff. But I feel like as a company, that's the, they're leading with that. And I think me as a consumer, I want to hear about innovation. I want to hear about value. I want to hear about something. So... You know, when it comes to made in the USA, again, if I look at like Exo Mountain Gear, um, you know, they make 
frame backpacks out of Idaho, you know, they're bringing innovation to the marketplace. And oh, by the way, we're made in the USA or WASP broadheads make darn good broadheads. But oh, by the way, they're made in the USA. So they're not leading with the USA dynamic. It's sort of like, oh, by the way, you know, Vortex opt Optics, we make really strong optics. And oh, by the way, we're made in the USA. And I really personally, I think that's the way to go if, you know, for companies that, that you know, obviously it's a selling point to us, but I think we're looking at where's the value, where's the innovation. It's just, you're not going to get me to buy Origin Camo just because it's made in the USA. Mm -hmm. I, I can't, I need to see more from them. But yeah, would you agree? I don't know, man. It's so tough I, because I'll, I'll tell you, this is how I make my purchases. I identify a need that I have. I go out and I research everything that, I, that I'm going to spend my money on. I look for options. I'll put those options on a list. I will compare the list to each other. And then I will say, does this fill my, fill my need? If all things are the same, right? And yeah. this product and this product are close to each other in price in, uh, or even if one's higher, but it's made in America, like I said, I'll probably try to, I, I will, I will actively try to buy USA, but mm -hmm. I'm not spending a ton more. Like if it's ridiculously, um, outside of its, uh, range, right. I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm not buying, I'm not going to buy it. Uh, so I'm looking to fill a need. I understand that it's important to buy American, but I'm not, I'm not blowing a budget to make that happen. So you mentioned broadheads. I recently, so, so Dan, I, um, I've traditionally used mechanic or a fixed broadhead, fixed mm -hmm. blade broadhead. Yep. I've, I've shot iron wheels. I've shot, uh, cutthroats. Uh, I mentioned the wasp. Um, I mean, I shot a buck with a wasp a couple of years ago. And Arrow went through his, you know, through his vitals and then curved in such a way that it broke, it hit his femur. And so when I was processing that deer, Dan, it broke that femur clean in half. And that broadhead looked like it was brand new. Yeah. Like, and, and I was just so impressed now. So, um, but I don't, I, I want to get, um, I want to get better blood trails. I, I'll be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I've, I, I shot a doe a couple of years ago with an iron will and I'm literally like, I can't hardly find a blood trail. I know she's dead and I'm literally standing right next to her. And I don't even know it because of, you know, it's, it was early, early season archery. And so I grabbed some, um, some really cheap broadheads off of Amazon. Um, they're called, uh, I think they're called keep K E A U T K E A U P. I think. I've got them over here somewhere here. Well, here they are here. I'll show one to you and you tell me what this looks like. And uh, if you can see it. Yeah, that looks like a rage. It looks a lot like a rage, right? Yep. So um, they're for, for six of them, you get 20 you, for $26. You get six of them, which is really about a quarter of the price of a rage. Um, and I shot them and I'm, and, and, the rage broadheads, they don't, I mean, they don't really say where they're made. Like you, the packaging doesn't say the website doesn't say I've read on forums that they're made in the USA. So this really isn't necessarily a USA versus China thing, but, but these are clearly made. These are made in China. They do state it on the packaging and they were super cheap. And I've always wanted to try mess around with Amazon broadheads. And so this is not a company that's, like you would find a website for or anything like that. It's purchased it, or it's manufactured by a company just to put it on Amazon. I, yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. to compete directly with a similar product, AKA rage. Yeah. And so exactly. let, let me tell you something. Yeah. I've been to a lot of ATA shows. Okay. And there are people and I'm going to, I'm going to stereotype here and I hope I don't get canceled for this. <laughs> but, but there are people who are of Asian descent, I will say, going around taking pictures of products at the ATA show. Wow. And some people do not like that 
because they will take those pictures, they will take it back to China, they will make it, and then they will sell it exactly like what you're talking about. And so um, it was a it was a big thing for a while to where you know if you didn't have your patents on point, someone was going to rip you off. Wow, that's yeah. I that's really interesting because I I've heard of that with. The construction industry, particularly uh, happening to Caterpillar, um, long story, but but similar thing mm-hmm. where Asian descent people, you know, that you, um, you know, they're there at the Caterpillar plant taking pictures and then, you know, yeah. manufacturing something very similar mm-hmm. to undercut our products. But yeah, so, I mean, you know, Dan, that, that brings up a really, that's a very interesting you know, a bit of commentary there because, you know, the way I look at it, sometimes I feel like companies are send are manufacturing products over there in China and bringing them back. And then you have these companies that to your point are making something similar. You know, I can tell you that these shot really well and, and it's what, you know, someone might not want to purchase these because of what you just stated, but they shot really well. I was shooting these broadheads into some ballistic gel along with some other broadheads, the other mechanicals. And these actually, um, from a penetration standpoint, out penetrated the ballistic gel by two inches over the, over the rages that I was shooting. And by, so by two inches, by two inches, that's, that's pretty substantial. If you ask me, I mean, two inches, like, yeah. if you hold it up, isn't huge. But when it comes to penetration, <clears throat> that's like uh, whether or not it's going to go out and create two holes or not. Right. Yeah. Right. Like this was this was 19 inches of ballistic gel that I that I created in my kitchen, which was fun. Um, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was it penetrated. Um, it penetrated. I think about 18 of those inches. So it didn't come out the other side of the ballistic gel. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the Rage Broadheads actually got to about 16 inches, and these were at 18 inches. And then I was looking at uh, a Muzzy Broadhead and a Sever Broadhead as well. But yeah, but yeah so it's, it's, a, it is, it's a very sticky, uh, sticky place uh, in terms of, you know, from a product standpoint. Like, what do you buy and what do you support? And then how does it perform, you know, when you shoot it? Right, so, right. Because I... I I'll tell you this, if I, if I said to myself, I'm only buying American and if there was a problem with an American product and it cost me a deer of a lifetime, I don't care if it was because of noise or performance or, or construct, I'm never going to use it again. I will never use it again. And that's why, like, for me, I will say this, that I, I like the fact that wasp broadheads are made in America I like the, that they're designed in America. I like the fact that they're um, made from some of the best material possible. All right. And the price is okay for me. Uh, yeah. Even though, like full disclosure, I partnered with them. But I've, I've, been, I've been using Wasp Broadhead since 2006. Um, I did skew off uh, of their heads for, I want to say... A, a season or two in that in in this time frame but then you know kept coming back to them and then I formed a partnership with them so it, it, it's great outside of that I really like if but I, I'm comfortable and I'm confident it just so happens that they're made in America and I, and it's it feels good I'll be honest it feels good to support a company that's made in America but as far as function and need is concerned if it's not meeting my need or if it's not functioning when I need it to function, then I'm going to have to go looking somewhere else for, for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. And, you know, just for those that are listening that might be interested, you know, from a performance standpoint, the sever broadhead is a sever 2.0 titanium that actually uh, blew through the 19 inches of ballistic gel and was poking out, made an incredible wound channel and that's actually what I'm going to switch to this year, Dan. And it's purely based on performance. Mm-hmm. I do not know where the sever broadheads are made, but um, I like their design. Uh, the blade sort of fl- flares out and locks in place, and uh, and swivels, but stays locked. 
as sort of like one blade, one two inch blade. Yeah. And so I'm going to give those a try. Um, I'm still going to keep a, a, a fixed blade broadhead in my quiver. Uh, probably the, the cutthroats uh, because of like, if you're in thick brush and you want to put a shot through something, you don't want that broadhead, you know, that mechanical to deploy in mid flight or right. whatever. But, but no, I agree. You know, performance is everything. Uh, the good news is that there are a lot of made in the USA products out there that are competitive and are performing well. Right. So, right. Absolutely. Uh, and so I'd really be interested to have you on and I know you want to shoot severed, but if you're ever going to go on a doe hunt or um, a less important hunt, I'd love to see you shoot a deer with those Amazon deals, those uh, mm -hmm. those rage ripoffs, just to see what they do on a deer. All right, all right, Dan. I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. Like I said, in, in September, deer season opens, and I need to put some meat in the freezer. So there you go. There you go. Now, yeah, we'll, need, we'll need a report back. But yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. That happens, man. I mean, there's a lot of uh, ripping off in the industry. I mean, whether their company, their their products are made in China or not, there's there is a lot of. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of, of ripping off that happens. Now, I want to talk about durability and for a second, because I, I, from a clothing standpoint, I wear, I can't now, now, now I'm questioning myself. I wear a, a brand called Arbor Wear and Arbor Wear is a, I'm going to just pull it up real quick. Arbor Wear is a, a, a clothing company designed specifically for arborists, guys who are climbing trees all day long, guys who are cutting down trees. A-R-B-O-R, Arbor Wear. All right, let's see here. Arborwear.com. They should have whether or not it, they're made in America. I can't. I forget if they are or not. I, I, there's something tells me they they might be. Anyway, a very durable, a very durable product, uh, and it, it's on the high end in price. And so, but I've had some of their jeans now for seven years. You know, mm -hmm. some of their some of their shirts for that that long. So that tells me they are, uh, um, you know, they're they're a good company. They're produced well. They're manufactured. Uh, they're they're manufactured, and um, yeah. So I, what, what's your take on, on durability? Do you feel that products that are made in the, uh, if we're going to go by the law of averages here, do you feel that products that are made in the United States perform or are more durable than, uh, than products not manufactured in the United States? Well, you know, I'm looking at, at some of their, at some of their gear online. I pulled it up on my phone, Dan, and I mean, it looks it's one of those things that it looks like um, it's the original tree climbers gear yep. is their, is their motto. And it does, it looks, it has a, a look to it even from the website. It's just like, yeah, that looks like tough gear that you could really uh, beat the hell out of and, and expect it to, you know, last years. Um, you know, I, I took a, a deep dive into um you know, I've, I've taken a deep dive into some other gear and like I've always for years, I had a, a vinyl harness from Badlands um, that was and it was made in Vietnam. Yep. And and I I went on elk hunts. I used it for whitetail. I've um, used it for everything. And it's I beat I beat the hell out of it. And it's it's done well. And I didn't know where it was made, Dan. Yeah. And, 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 and I took a hard look at um, a seven different harnesses earlier this year, because this is sort of the year of the bino harness. And, and I did note in my evaluations, like where are they made from? Uh, you know, where are they, you know, and, and I, Badlands has a new one. It's made in Vietnam again. Alaska Guide Creations has a really strong one. It's it's actually made in the USA. FHF Deer, which is part of the Meat Eater Company, made in the USA. Uh, marsupial Gear, made in the USA. And really, you know, those three right there, Alaska Guide Creations, FHF, and Marsupial, I mean, you can, 
I think it's some of the fine detail. You can feel a little bit of a difference. You can see a little bit of a difference. I didn't really realize it until I started messing with them that like the FHF gear fob vinyl harness. Now mm -hmm. it's really expensive, Dan, it's 180 bucks, but I'll be darned if it doesn't like you can see and feel some of the craftsmanship and, and, and it's not my number one vinyl harness, but because it's so expensive uh, because in order to get a full kit, you're going to have to buy some additional things to put on it. And they put you over like $210 for, for just your vinyl harness. But I was really impressed. Like, I, I'll be honest with you, Dan, I know we've been sort of talking about, you know, you know, China products being a little bit better than they used to be or whatever, but from a vinyl harness standpoint, like that Alaska guide creations, Ravis, and I'm actually, I don't have it out here in front of me, but it is, I mean, it's, I'm going to use some taglines that a lot of people use. It's bomb proof and, and it's, and it's overbuilt. Like it really is. It looks like something that I would buy from that Arbor, Arbor gear or Arbor wear that, yeah. that, that you've been, that, that you purchase. So, so in that example, you're saying that it performs, uh, uh, for, for category of bino harness made in America performs better and is more durable than not made in America? Well, I think, I think one of the things is that it's, it's very specific. So like there was a brand called Spica, like we talked about the Amazon, you know, made for just Amazon brands. And so there was an Amazon brand Spica vinyl harness that maybe, you know, five years ago, Dan would have been an amazing vinyl harness, but this is, it was 60 bucks, but it didn't have the fun and it was really well made and it, sort of a forward opening and i think where i think where us as hunters can see the value in usa made goods is that when they're intuitive they're made with an intuitiveness for our needs as a hunter mm -hmm. so like the fhf gear like i mentioned like there's an intuitiveness there in terms of it, the sleek design the um some of the the attachment points um, they, the people that, the, the people that designed it know exactly what we need when we're on a, on a Western hunt or with the marsupial gear. Whereas if I look at like something that's made by a company called Spica, where it's like, like I said, 60 bucks versus 180 bucks. Yeah. It's a vinyl harness. It could work and it's design. I mean, it's a hunting vinyl harness, but it doesn't have the fine detail. Like if I need, um, to grab my rangefinder or grab my wind wind checker or right. if i need um you know to put my attach my bear spray attach my pistol uh or where where, where i want to put my phone like there's we're starting to put so much gear in our vinyl harnesses these days and so i think when it comes to like something like maybe with the the arborware or with something like vinyl harnesses there is some a lot of thought put into it about the needs of of that particular hunter. And I think it goes back to, again, where is the innovation? Where's that value? Um, and I see that with some of the USA made vinyl harnesses. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so I just looked up two as far as clothing manufacturers. And I believe I just saw that Kuyu is manufactured overseas and Sitka is manufactured actually in Montana. That's what I'm reading here, I believe. Some of their stuff is manufactured in Bozeman, Montana. Does that sound right? I I don't know. I don't. I'd actually have to grab a piece of uh, of Sika gear and I think look at the label to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. So I mean kudos to them and you know so that could result in why sitka is the highest you know the one of the highest costing camouflage i mean i i will tell you this their gear is outstanding outstanding sitka's sitka's gear is outstanding it is expensive but it you know some could say it's expensive for a reason and uh it says here where is Sitka clothing manufactured? Sitka clothing is manufactured in Bozeman, Montana. Now, I'm not a hunt. Like, this is from a, uh, this is just to cite it, madefind.com. Hmm. So, I'm not sure if that is, where is Sitka produced? It's based in 
Let's see. Retail storage volume. Yeah, I think that that is, if that's the case, we need to hear more about that from, from the Sitkas of the world. Yeah. Because, you know, I could justify spending a little bit more if, because not like we go back to the intuitiveness of the design. I think Sitka was really one of the first to come up with certain things for the whitetail hunter in terms of, you know, a place for your grunt tube or whatever. And so to me, I wouldn't, I would be open to spending a little bit more if I know that that's, you know, manufactured here in the USA. And the fact that we don't know is a problem. You know, it, it seems like if it is, or if only certain garments are, it would be nice for us to know about that and okay. not have to. Okay. Here's some, work. here's some contradicting information though. Allamerican.org. Um, Sitka is mainly Sitka gear is mainly made overseas. Okay. Okay. Some items may be manufactured in the U.S., but as you will read below, we had a good amount of difficulty learning more. So this is from a company called AllAmerican.org, and they uh, they basically did research. Uh, there's this whole article about Sitka gear, and it sounds like. Some of their products are made in the United States. Um, yeah, yeah. And some, most of it is probably made in the United States. And it, it, they show Sika supplier list. Oh, yeah. Um, it looks like they got a hold of a list here. And the company and their their address is online. These some of these brands look like they are. Yep, a lot of these companies look like they're in China or Asian countries. They, you know, some of but there are other country. Um, there are other um, cities in this list that like have California and New Jersey and yeah. But a lot of them are looks like Thailand and China and as far as their supplier. Right now, yeah. one thing people got to watch out for, and I used to work for a company called Wicked Tree Gear. Every single piece of that product was manufactured in China, but it was it was brought it was assembled in the United States. So that allowed us to put a, a United States sticker on it that said assembled in the United States. So people at first glance will look at it and go, oh, it's a USA product. Well, in, in all reality, it's not. It's everything is made overseas. Uh, and then it was assembled in the United States. So, so yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty slick. I, I don't care for that. I, it makes me wonder, though, like I know you're a – big user and a big fan of the acorn cruncher i mean <laughs> you know i don't you check like where, see where that's made yeah i don't know i'm guessing i like that was probably made in some dude's backyard i'll be honest <laughs> using two 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 liter bottle caps that's how that's how he made them so you know from but what i'm getting at here is okay so we have two of the the most elite camo uh brands with kuyu and Sitka, yeah, right? And they yeah. cost the most money, and they're made overseas, but at the same time, they're, and I've had my hands on Kuyu, and I've had my hands, and, and I've worn Sitka, and they are some of the highest caliber, uh, I mean, the best manufactured. You, you can just look and hold these products. Now, there's other products like Huntworth out there that yeah. are very close to Sitka, and they're very close to Kuyu, they're not they're not 100% the way there but they're very close and about 50% of the cost so i feel like those types of brands are catching up just from sheer volume of the clothing they sell just be, uh, because of the price point yeah i i was going to mention huntworth i think forlo is another sort of hunting company that's touted really big time made in the usa technical clothing um and there's a lot of options out there. I think, I don't know about like NUMA. Um, I, I know they're out of Texas, but I don't know where their products are made. But I know for, Forlo for a fact 
is is made in the USA. So if that's really important to you know folks that are out you know listening, then, then I would I would encourage them to look at that company. One thing that I know this is kind of off topic of Made in America at this point, but one one thing that I would really like to look into is direct to consumer. Um, and what, how direct consumer impacts. Uh, so if you compared all these products, right. And one of them was sold in a, in a chain store. And, and the reason that companies say direct to consumer is so they can, they can use the line. We're cutting out the middleman, right? We're not having our, our, our retail price isn't going to have to be marked up because, um, we have to make our margins and so does the retailer. They have to make their, yeah. their margins. So we're cutting out. But one thing that I've noticed on some of these, these direct to consumer companies is that the prices are still this, like are roughly the same. So they're just making bigger margins, right? So what they've done is they, they usually what happens is they come into, they come into the industry. They say they're direct to consumer they they start with products that are lower right they're they start yep. with products that are lower price but then eventually they to make more money and to make more profit they're they're bringing that that uh, retail price point closer to the their competitors price points that are sold in retail locations so they're just basically making bigger a bigger dollar amount but still saying they're cutting out the middleman but that's great that you're cutting out the middleman, but if your margins are still bigger, then you're not you're not helping out the consumer like you say you are. Well, I think Dan, I think everybody wants to be a, a, a Yeti type custom a company where you sell, sell a, you know a high end product uh, because there's no you know every one of these companies that we talk about is a for profit company, mm -hmm. right? And they have to decide like how do we make the highest margins. And so you look at like a Yeti and obviously Yeti innovated the, the cooler space, but they, um, but Yeti does what really they do so well is marketing. And it's like, well, we can make more money if we promote ourselves as high end, like a high end broadhead or high end, whatever hunting product, as opposed to competing on price, you know, at, at the other end of the market. So we get, we're going to spend more, we're going to invest more on marketing than these other companies and therefore we're going to carve out a space in the in the hunt in the hunter's mind that oh this is you know the yeti this is the thing that from a status standpoint this you know camel pattern sets me apart makes me look like uh, you know the, the hunters that i see on youtube the hunters that i see on instagram and i'm part of that club and it's that tribalism that we've talked about the emotions that we've talked about and so it really it's so important that us as consumers take that time to pull back and say, what is it that we really want to accomplish here? You know, do we need to, the status symbol and do we need to, to spend more money to be part of that club? I mean, I, I mentioned broadheads. I mean, if you say anything bad about iron will broadheads online on a forum, you'll get 15 guys that think you're a moron. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really, and, 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 you know, that that is those broadheads are the most they're like thirty three dollars a head, like I was showing you the rage broadheads at or the the rage knockoffs at, you know there I got twenty four of them or I get six six of them for twenty five bucks, you know it's thirty three dollars for one iron wheel broadhead, and but but he has positioned that product and it's a, and it's a great product no don't get me wrong yeah. it is like it's you know it's made of a two tool steel. Like it's a, it's a screwdriver in terms of its composition. Right. Um, and I, I, I have some problems with, with that type of steel, but I won't get into that, but they positioned it themselves as sort of the Yeti and therefore guys are, are willing to spend more, but they're also part of that club now. Yeah. And so as a company, I think that you have to decide which path are we going? Are we going to spend more on marketing and in, in, in a solid product, but more on marketing to position ourselves as the Yeti, or are we going to compete on price? And, and, and that's a race to the bottom in some ways. Yeah. I don't know, man. It just, here's the thing though, about the hunting, the hunting industry. 
right? Everybody's marketing for coolness. Everybody's saying our product's better than this, you know, our, our product's the best, give our product a try. I don't give a shit what brand you wear, what broadhead you shoot. You will never become a better hunter based off of your gear, period. I don't give a shit if you're wearing like a swim swimming suit into the into the tree stand products will not make you a better hunter period and so like if you're gonna be real and honest about everything it doesn't matter what your gear is i mean yes some gear is 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 manufactured better but at you know un, under i'll even just say 30 yards depending on depending on your setup and i know there's so many things that we could you know we could unroll and unpack and 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 keep continuing but as a bow hunter if you shoot a deer at 20 yards i don't give a shit what broadhead you're using uh, it's gonna and you put it in their lungs and you put it in their yeah. heart in the vitals that deer will die i don't care right i don't care what your arrow set up i don't care um if you're wearing a clown suit in the tree stand if you stay still and you're not jumping around like a maniac you're going you, there's a chance you could get a shot at a deer and so take that with a grain of salt i'm very serious about my gear i'm very serious how i i make my decisions but i will like at the end of the day blue jeans flannels like camo wasn't even a thing for hunters until the end of world war ii i believe it was right yeah. nobody wore camouflage out in the woods until all of these uh vets came home from world war ii didn't have anything to do so they all started hunting wearing their fatigues and that's where camo was kind of kind of invented um yeah. as far as the 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 camo that we see today so yeah i I, it sounds like you're challenging me to wear a USA-made clown suit. When I go <laughs> and, and, and Dan, I'll be honest with you, that might be a bridge too far, but I'll right. see what I can do. <laughs> so you got to shoot a China-made broadhead in an American-made clown suit. Things are getting interesting. <laughs> Things are getting interesting over here. Oh, gosh. So um, outside of that, man, we've been talking about uh, almost an hour now. Any anything else that we need to unpack as far as uh, made in America products and um, overseas? You know, let me let me ask you that. Let me tell you this. Yeah, I believe crispy boots are made in Italy. Yes, one of the highest quality boots there are. So, I agree. so the fact that I, I feel like it, a lot of it depends on category. If it's soft goods, I don't know if boots are considered soft goods, but like clothing and stuff like that. If it's made in Italy or if it's made, um, I have a pair of pants. They were not cheap from Fall Hall Raven. Um, I think they're Norway or Denmark is where the, they're manufactured. Very high quality. Those are for mountain climbers. Uh, very high quality pair of pants. And um, uh, so I have a, a pair of those. I have crispy boots made in Italy, very high quality product. So just because something's not made in America, it, it doesn't mean that the quality is going to suffer. Yeah, I would agree. I think there's, um, there's a rifle, uh, crap. I can't remember. Benelli. What's that? What's that? Benelli. They're yeah, made Benelli, Italy. And then, uh, Bergara, I think is made in Spain. Okay. Um, I, th I think that's a rifle. I think that might be, I might be messing that name up, but no, I would agree with you, Dan. I think there's some, there's some definitely some companies out there that are making really good products. And, and I know we sort of pick on, you know, Asia, China, those sorts of things. But like when it comes to Italian boots, there's no, you know, you mentioned stereotypes that stereotypes there for a reason. I mean, boots, shoes, you know, out of Italy, generally, you know, they've been doing that for a long time and they're, they're, generally experts at it so yeah. i would agree with you i have a, I have a couple pair of crispies i've now i will say i've replaced the insoles the insoles are like paper thin but um uh but but yeah they're absolutely awesome boots and i've i i wore a pair of uh uh crap i can't remember the name of them but they were 
a lot less expensive and more disposable and I regretted it. And now I'm, you know, wearing these crispies and, and I'm really pleased with their performance, especially as it relates to just like the waterproofing dynamic. Like yep. it's, I, I haven't had any issues with my feet getting wet. So yeah, yeah, solid products. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anything else before we shut her down? Any final thoughts? No, you know, I think it's just, uh, again, it's on us as consumers to not get buy, bought into these, um, to give into our emotions, mm -hmm. to buy based on tribalism. It's really important that we take a hard look at, at you know, the performance, the value, the innovation at a product category. And, you know, Dan, I, I appreciate you having me on. I continue to sort of put content out there, uh, focusing on value and performance on, on my YouTube channel, which is Jay uh, Coons Hunts. And, um, you know, on my Instagram feed, which is the same moniker. And, uh, but yeah, I appreciate the conversation and I appreciate uh, you having me on. Absolutely, man. We'll, we'll definitely do it again. And um, I appreciate your time. And if I don't talk to you before season starts, good luck in that clown suit and good luck with that uh, Amazon broadhead, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs>